With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Hartz, and today is a very special day, everyone, because we are doing a live best ball draft. One of my favorite people in this entire industry. You might know him from Rotor World. You might know him for being an all-around baller. My friend, John Daigle. John, what's going on, dude? Yeah, we've never recorded together, so this is going to be interesting to see how this goes. I'm excited because, you know, after couple minutes of trying to get this draft rolling. We are finally live, and it starts in 15 seconds. And for once, I am not at the end of the round turn. I have the first overall pick. Really? I am not going to be one of these dweebs out there talking about zero RB and all this stuff. I'm taking my guy Christian McCaffrey. This is an easy one. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty strong about this. I mean, there's there's no one else to draft. I'm not even going to waste time. And just so everyone knows, best ball, 30-second pick. So I'm going to be flying through these. I am going through – Selecting a team, Johnny Daigle is normally going to offer his uh, advice on this one. I just went ahead and went solo and drafted CMC, but normally we'll have a discussion going throughout this. And for those that don't know about the best ball format, you draft, and then literally like after the season, you find out how your team did, all the rosters. There's no no ads or drops. All the rosters get optimized every week. Best team, and we are using the fine folks at underdogfantasy.com. So thank you for all of that. Everyone has been asking the place to be for best ball. And with the recent launch of Underdog Fantasy, underdogfantasy.com, and more importantly, the friendly app, uh, it is the same team of guys, engineer, CEO down, that created Draft, the application from last year, that took best ball by storm. So it's the place to get in right now, which is why I'm excited we're using it here. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I used to do the draft uh, drafts all, of, all the time. And what we're doing fast – Fast draft today, 30-second picks, but, I mean, the slow drafts are just great, you know, sitting around doing nothing, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I got to make this big, big decision right now. So last year was the first time I did best balls. Uh, John, where would you put, put best ball, like, up against redraft and DFS? How do you rank them with your, just in terms of your favorite? So I typically love best ball for pre-NFL draft usage because it allows you to get an edge, even something as simple as, drafting all the rookies and hoping one of them lands in a great spot. For instance, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was going in the sixth to ninth round before the draft. And so if you grab him, suddenly you have a second or third round pick for much cheaper just because no one was willing to take a chance on him. So I I love it for that instance. And for this year in particular, it's going to be wild, right? Like redraft and season long formats are going to be crazy with the commissioner exempt list uh, having a number of players who likely test positive throughout the year. So this year especially, I love 
love using a lot of best ball drafts. Yeah, it makes sense. Good stuff. And just catch everyone up. I'm sharing the screen if you happen to be looking at the video version of this. But if not, pretty normal start. McCaffrey, then Saquon, then Zeke, then Kamara. We had the person that picked five go Michael Thomas over Dalvin Cook, which makes sense. I'm still not too worried about that Dalvin Cook holdout, though. John, are you, are you still treating top five backs, top five picks, or would you have put Mike Thomas in there over Dalvin as well? I'm still going Dalvin over Thomas, but Dalvin's holdout at least brings it up for conversation. Whereas yeah. I think it was pretty much guaranteed Dalvin was number five overall beforehand. Yeah, it's, I was talking to a uh, um, like kind of specific Vikings reporter recently, and you know he, he was bringing up, kind of echoed the points that I think we were talking about uh, kind of when this whole thing started, that the Vikings, they do end up getting their star guy signed. It's not always pretty. It doesn't, you know, it can take through mm -hmm. August at times, but they get them signed. We haven't seen any, many, if any, examples of the Vikings not getting the deal done with their stud. And no one wanted to be the first after McCaffrey's deal to sign a running back. That's why I think Derrick Henry's made it a little more palatable for anyone to come to the table, even Joe Mixon with a contract offer, because uh, no one wanted to match McCaffrey. No organization <laughs> wanted to match McCaffrey's contract. Nah, yeah, I, I get it. All right, so after Dalvin, Mixon, Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake going behind both of them. Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, still got Austin Eckler on the board. That's interesting. I, man, I'm at the point where I got Drake as RB6 just because I think out of all those second-tier guys, we got questions. Usually they don't have the pass-down roles, the issue with all these guys, or they have the pass-down role like Eckler and Sanders, but they don't have you know the featured early-down role that someone like Mixon or Jacobs is going to have. Where do you have Drake in uh, just kind of your ranking slash thought process this year? I believe he's my RB8 overall right behind Sanders. I still have Henry and Cook up there, but Drake is the one that we could talk about because when you think about it, the number five overall running back spot is wide open for anyone. And I think a lot of people are assuming that will be Sanders or Henry, but Drake in what we expect to be a high volume offense that don't forget, they're not really a pass first offense. We just like their passing because it's a bunch of elite explosive players. But yeah. Drake is the one that we expect, even if Chase Edmonds is evolved, by the way, Drake is still the number one running back there. So uh, in year two of that offense, of course, you have to love him. Yeah. Agreed on all accounts. And we just had a guy I was hoping to fall, but probably wasn't realistic. George Kittle went in the middle of round two. He's going to be – he's already the 49ers' number one receiver. Like, Debo getting injured didn't change that. But now it enhances it. Manny Sanders is already gone. I mean, I don't know. It's There's a chance that we see this 49ers offense be a little more pass-happy. It's going to be Jimmy G's second full year in the system, second year recovered from the ACL. Maybe the defense isn't quite as dominant. I mean, I'm, I feel like Kittle could be on the verge of just some monster season. Am I wrong? And, and remember, it was Kelsey who finished as the overall tight end one for the fourth straight year last year. But Kittle actually led him in fantasy points per game, which is what we try to look at since it gauges more of a weekly production. Yeah. All right, getting a little bit of a receiver run, Goblin and Hopkins after. Come on. I just want Austin Eckler to fall to me. That's all I want in this world right now. Anytime you can get an RB1 and a wide receiver three on his own team at the end of round two, I'll take that any day of the week. I don't understand all these Eckler concerns like, oh, he just went. So screw me. But uh, yeah, but, you know, sticking on Eckler for a second, like he is going to be the lead back there. And even if, you know, Kelly and uh, Jackson gets some touches. I mean, they didn't give Eckler four years, and I think it was $24 million, to not be anything but the lead back of this offense. 
it's going to be a an odd offense because it's the first time we're seeing any of them without Phillip Rivers. Uh, so the checkdowns, we don't expect them to be there so much. And given Eckler's likely regression on the number of receiving touchdowns he had last year, having said that, he's still a receiver, like you said. And someone like Nick Chubb, even someone like Aaron Jones, um, they can't say that. So that's why I still love Eckler over that bunch. Even Josh Jacobs, I love him over him. All right, we're on the clock. I'm looking at A.J. Brown here. We got Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, OBJ, Juju, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen's available. Crap. This is tough. It Who is. Who take here, John? It is still Juju for me, but I see you clicking <sighs> A.J. Brown. So Yeah, I think I just got to do it. But we got another pick coming up, so I'm just looking at this. So the running backs right now are Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, Fournette, Taylor. Oh, these guys are all bad. I'm going to – well, look at me. I'm, I'm going what the cool kids like to call modified zero RB. I'm getting another baller wide receiver, and I would normally take Adam Thielen here, but, John, you're a good friend of mine. I'm uh, taking Juju Smith-Schuster with the first pick of round three. So the squad through three picks, we got Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Those, those are some good players, John. Yeah, and that's what makes that second tier of running back so tough because Thielen, Beckham, Allen Robinson, I think, would have been should have been up there as well. Juju, Kenny Galladay, like they all make a case to be number six overall and just finish with inside the top twelve. Uh, so it's just it just comes down to preference at that point. You can yeah, you can honestly rank those wide receivers like yeah. six through sixteen, almost the same. And it's almost there for the running backs too. Once you get to like that six through twelve mark, I mean, that's why I end up going wide receiver because Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I mean, I, I'm high, I'm high in James Conner, so I guess I could have gone after him but you know at that point i think we both kind of have aaron jones ranked a little bit towards the bottom of that tier two like once those guys are gone i'm inclined just to actually yeah go ahead and wait until round four or five to get my second back i don't think there's anything wrong with client edward Tolaire though uh even if like you want to prioritize stacking and you go edward Tolaire and then mahomes at the two three round turn um i think it's just fine yeah, I mean, the, look, all these rookie running backs are going to be in a committee of some sort, but at least Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is with the best quarterback in football and a loaded offense, and it's going to be two backs at the most. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, probably three. Cam Akers, according to Sean McVay, it's four. Jonathan Taylor, probably going to be three. Clyde is like, I think he joins Keyshawn, not even Keyshawn Vaughn, because he's probably going to be three back as well. Yeah, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, week one, should have the easiest path to high-level playing time from the get-go. And the difference is Damian Williams' floor is literally just not being used in your best ball or redraft lineup. Whereas yeah. in best ball, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will compete to be the RB3 basically every week with uh, a top six overall production in his outcome. Yeah, true chains all around. All right, after that juju pick I made, we have Mike Evans, Cooper, DJ Moore go off the board. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finally went. Middle round three. Just so everyone knows, this is a 12-person draft. So don't be uh, thinking we're, you know, going eight and just really bad at drafting or anything like that. Then Alan Robinson, OBJ, our guy Calvin Ridley going 3.8. I absolutely love it. And Ridley went with guys like Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, still on the board. John, we've been Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one hype train. I mean, we might have started the freaking hype train. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with Ridley there, man. Would you have taken any of those dudes ahead of him? No. Uh, I've seen 
analysis that since he's not a yak guy, that he can't be an elite receiver. But even if he's a product, and I don't think he is, but even if your argument is he's a product of the offense, it is one hell of an offense to be a product of. Like we know they're going to, we assume they're going to finish top three in place per game. And not only that, but they, last year, they still finished top five and pass play rate whenever they were trailing, whenever they had a lead as well. So this is a team that just throws because they know they're going to struggle when running the ball. So why wouldn't you want arguably a potential number one option in that offense. Yep. Man, all these yak debates, it's like, okay, with Ridley, he's not good enough at yak, so we can't trust him. And then A.J. Brown, well, he's too good at yak, so we should expect him to regress. I mean, personally, I do think it is a nice trait to identify, you know, talented players. Okay, A.J. Brown's not going to average eight or nine yards after the catch again this year, probably. But it's also, I think, underrated a little more to do with the scheme, how the player's being used. You know, can their quarterback lead them and, you know, give them a chance to run? Or is it, you know, not to hate on, uh, this is a job. Josh Allen friendly podcast, but I think there's a difference between Josh Allen giving his guy, you know, a chance to run and Drew Brees giving his guy a chance to run. And I don't know that just comparing yak rates just in and of themselves between two wide receivers is a great way of, you know, talking about who's better. And we'll differ on this because I know your opinion on AJ Brown, but I would also say that Calvin Ridley's floor in that offense is so much easier to take on than A.J. Brown's because A.J. Brown's floor is three playoff games. You can just look at the box scores from last year, totaling five catches across those contests. John, they were a fun five catches, though. Let me tell you what. (laughs) Uh, For DMS lineups, they were not, buddy. I can assure you. Uh, Fair enough. but I I believe we were at the same wooden saloon bar that uh, (laughs) watching that game, and I assure you they were not fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he, I think he actually had a big one on the very first drive of the game for like 2025, and I was so ready for that to be the blow-up spot. But lo and behold, it was not. Okay, so on the clock, managed to grab Chris Carson, Seahawks RB1. And next up, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a risk here, but I'm going David Montgomery, the Bears starting running back, likely to get 250-plus touches. Took him over Jonathan Taylor over David Johnson, over Le'Veon Bell. John, am I an idiot for believing that the best years are still to come from David Montgomery? You're certain not, certainly not an idiot because David Montgomery may have a higher ceiling than David Johnson. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, I would not take him over him. Uh, will David Montgomery get you know 20 more carries than Jonathan Taylor? Probably. But I would much rather take Saquon Barkley light. If not, he's basically just Saquon Barkley, honestly, with wow. a team that has the easiest schedule according to Vegas' season win totals. Um, the Colts shape up genuinely to be a 13-win team with Coach of the Year in Frank Reich and then on, arguably Defensive Player of the Year in DeForest Buckner because it's one of those teams that every thing the stars align to go well until they reach the divisional round Colts are kind of low-key the team everyone I think they're a team everyone wants Tampa Bay to be potentially now the big question mark is Philip Rivers because I don't know man those little floaters he's you know chucking into triple coverage seem to be floating a little extra hard last year but and you know you didn't even mention that we're talking about PFS number one offensive line the entire league there in Indy. It's a good point. I mean, I, I am more concerned with, uh, you know, touches and talent as everyone should be, unless we're talking about A.J. Brown. But, uh, you know, when we're comparing the guys, 20 carries, and neither of them are really going to have a pass-down role. I guess Taylor probably has a better chance of getting the pass-down role than Montgomery, just with how much Nagy loves Tariq. 
It's a good point. I'm definitely higher on Taylor now than I was after the draft. Not not because anything has changed in his situation, just because the more I look at it, the more I think, okay, he definitely deserves to be the clear-cut rookie RB2 at a minimum. I would argue that even if Philip Rivers is the same Philip Rivers as last year, the way that team is built around him, like you said, arguably the number one offensive line, um, Quentin Nelson, one of the best overall players like George Kittle, like Aaron Donald and the entire league, uh, Rivers basically can't fail even if he plays like last year. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's why it's like maybe T.Y. Hilton. It comes, down, yes, it comes down to T.Y. Hilton's health. And T.Y. Hilton had a 27% target share, I believe, 195 yards and four touchdowns in those first three games before he was injured. And then recency bias has led us to forget that he was actually good for that first month because he basically was a part-time player from that point forward. Yeah, looking at some of the draft picks that we've seen recently, uh, T.Y. went right after Devontae Parker and D.K. Metcalf. Following T.Y. was Gallup, Fuller, Keenan Allen, and Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is one of the guys that, and John, you had a good tweet about this, uh, where we need to get an update on his health because his last quote was from a couple months ago, and he's like, yeah, I'm hoping to be ready by August. You know, we'll, we'll see what's what. But got that hip surgery, and, I mean, it kind of sounded like he knew going into the surgery that this could potentially affect his uh, week one availability. What are your thoughts on Jarvis Landry? Are you going back to the well? Because if he plays 16 games, it's going to be like the 20th straight year where he's a value at his current ADP. I mean, we've seen this two years in a no in in a row now with both the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Uh, two years ago, Jarvis Landry came over from Miami. Everyone said he couldn't play on the outside. He did that with a plum. Uh, last year, everyone said that he would fall behind Odell Beckham, and then he went just ahead and led Beckham in basically every single category. So no, even if it's just his floor you're targeting, Jarvis Landry has proven he can do it all in the league. Uh, up and about six, seven picks. Who are you liking that's available here right now, John? Uh, running back and wide receiver, seeing A.J. Green, DeAndre Swift, Devin Singletary, Cam Akers, Edelman. I got Ty- I'm got. i looking at Tyler Boyd, who I, I, I've never been much of a Tyler Boyd guy. It just feels lame to pick him, honestly. Nothing against him or even his style play. It's just a slot receiver in an offense that isn't great. But, hey, I mean, that slot receiver for uh, Joe Burrow sure was pretty special last year, Mr. Ju- Justin Jefferson. So, well, A.J. Green's back now, I guess, but we don't know how back he will be. I think uh, it might have been, you know, friend of the show, Lord Reeves, that brought up the point that, you know, you don't see 30-year-old wide receivers not play a year and then come back to a good year. What are your thoughts on you know, A.J. Green and Boyd? A.J. Green's situation is an odd one, but just the fact that he has said he signed his one-year franchise tag, he said he wants to play. I think he even he knows now he has to build some momentum leading into an extension, whether it be with the Bengals or the next team he signs with in free agency. And what we're forgetting is that Tyler Boyd has had nine starts with A.J. Green, and he actually averaged four more fantasy points per game with Green on the field because Green is the one who soaks up the number one defender as opposed to Boyd having to deal with him. So I love Boyd. Yes, you're right. He is just a slot guy. Uh, But just a slot guy, as you said, playing the Justin Jefferson role with Burrow this year for an offense we know will have to stay up-tempo because we don't have much faith in their defense. I still love Tyler Boyd this year. Uh, it's a good point with him being better with Green, and that's, you know, echoes why maybe I'm not so in love with him. But, hey, Green's back this year, so good thing for Boyd. All right, The difference you're is up. you don't get A.J. Green's floor with yeah. Tyler Boyd, too, because A.J. Green's floor is a zero. Uh, he may just not play, whereas we have Tyler Boyd, who's a safety net. 
True. All right. Best running back available here. S- Singletary versus Cam Akers. Oh, buddy. Uh, we take a wide receiver here, don't we? I got back-to-back, though. Um, I'm going Cam Akers. I'm taking right. the ceiling. I am saying McVay is classic coach speaks. Classic coach speech. You know, he started off that statement saying we got four football, four guys that have played football before. So I think Cam Akers is the best one of those four guys. All right, wide receiver Edelman, Marvin Jones. Am I wrong for just loving Brandon Cooks here? I, I'm not really a Brandon Cooks guy, so you're going to be on your island here. But you should take him. I know you like him. And I just took them. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, with these 30 second clocks, a little harder to debate picks right in the middle of it. But yeah, Brandon Cooks, you know, Will Fuller could very well uh, do better than him in that offense. But, you know, I was just looking at, uh, I did an article on this where it was free agents uh, and how they do a new team. Spoiler, not good, almost always. And how do wide receivers that have been traded do? And the wide receivers are not good, but Brandon Cooks is like responsible for five or six of the instances of a player getting traded and then immediately turning in a uh, wide receiver two or better season. The concussions are obviously incredibly concerning, but this has got to be, I haven't gone back and looked at his preseason ADP, but I would imagine this is the cheapest you can get Brandon Cook since his rookie year. Yes. It's still worrisome for me though, that fourth team in four years, you already mentioned the concussion history. Uh, and I still don't know what this offense is. We are just assuming that it's still going to be an explosive offense since Deshaun Watson is a magician. For the, for the first time in his career, not having Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the entire league, I'm kind of just out on Deshaun Watson, too. Oh, my God. And that's, uh, I understand that's you. not a take you here in the industry, but I am seriously concerned about Tim Kelly calling plays and just this offense having nowhere to go once Will Fuller goes down. Even though I will say I love Will Fuller. Like, I, I love him as a wide receiver, too. Don't even care about the injury history whatsoever. Yeah. You're bringing up some decent points. I'm just saying Cooks, round seven. His floor, if he plays, is going to be, you know, about that. So I'm, I'm drafting him for that ceiling that hopefully we'll see. So through six to seven rounds, excuse me, we have Christian McCaffrey, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Cam Akers in the backfield, wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks. Funky-looking team, but I'm feeling all right so far, John. What are you thinking? So far, so good. We're going to have to do something here about running back, of course. But when you have Christian McCaffrey starting out, you can kind of band-aid the rest of your team. Yeah, and at least Carson and Montgomery, you know, are should be 200-plus carry guys, and we're not getting money to pass down work. And Cam Akers is that lottery ticket. And, look, I realize Sean McVay did say earlier this offseason, too, that they want three running backs. And, hey, you know, them switching off of the heavy 11 personnel after their bye week last year, you know, we've seen a lot of hints that he does want to get away from some of the things they've done over the past three seasons. But – I don't know, because every time Gurley has even been gone, it was the Malcolm Brown show last year, at least for like a 60% plus snap roll. And, you know, that 2018 when Gurley late season was, you know, having his issues, C.J. Anderson was getting fed. So it's almost like Mike Tomlin, man. It's just we've never really seen McVay do this committee backfield. And even if he's saying he's going to, I guess Tomlin's saying he's going to feature a guy. McVay's saying he won't. But I, I don't know. I, I want to see McVay actually use a committee for more than a week or two before I stop before I start fading Acres as a late RB twenty. That's the thing though with McVay is that he does not care about your fantasy team. Yeah, I mean McVay does not care about your fantasy team. I understand that. But at the same time, 
why else are you spending a second round pick on this dude? And I know Daryl Henderson's there. Maybe you can talk about them having deferring skill sets and all that. Malcolm Brown was good enough to keep Henderson on the bench last year. Malcolm Brown did some all right things in his own right. But again, it just comes back to that second round pick. And if we have to predict one of these guys to get through, one of these guys to make something happen, I do think it's Cam Akers. All right, so moving on with the draft. Start of round eight, we got some funky wide receivers going. Someone felt the need to draft Jamison Crowder over Deontay Johnson. Wow. I'm a a Crowder fan. Like, this dude can rack up the short crossers all day. I mean, 120 targets last year, led the Jets in most receiving categories. Adam Gase features his slot receivers just more than anyone. You look at every single stops. I mean, even that one year where he was just the Bears OC. I mean, Eddie Royal was just eating. So it's one of those situations where with the scheme, with the quarterback, with the coach, a lot of those things are ugly, but they all kind of add up to Jamison Crowder. But no, give me Deontay Johnson over that. Come on, man. Going to have to get a quarterback at some point soon. I am seeing Carson Wentz still available. That's intriguing because the top seven guys are gone. Top seven dual threats, you know. Uh, Josh Allen's the last dude out of that group that I was hoping to get. But looking at Wentz, I mean, this guy had as many rushing yards as Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. He has gotten a complete overhaul in offensive weapons. We know he has the tight ends. We know he has... You know, now finally some wide receivers, but he's also got Miles Sanders. So I, I just think the things this offense already did well last year, and that was, you know, intermediate, short passes, uh, things of that nature. Now it's going to be even more wide open because we got the likes of Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Goodwin, Jalen Rieger. I mean, even John Ferguson, Quez Watkins, like these are dudes that can stretch the field and defenses at least have to pay attention to them. It's not like this offense has, you know, consistently had just ballers at wide receiver to stretch the field. It's just been minimum, and that's been enough for them. I and mean, we're talking about Mac Hollins, Torrey Smith, guys like that. So, all right, I am up in two picks, and this is username Free Duke Johnson. I hope everyone knows that. The Texans, incredibly overqualified backup running back. All right, I am on the clock. And yeah, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz here, people. Getting the quarterback, end of round eight, feeling good about it. Don't have any Eagles receivers, but, you know, I can definitely get Rieger stacked in later. All right, so I'm pulling the trigger on Carson Wentz. And our boy, John Daigle, is back after some brief technical difficulties. John, we have to go running back here? Uh, It's like you said, it's an odd conundrum because we do have touches insured. They are questionable touches, but at least we think we have touches, and that's what we're really looking for here. Is there any receiver like an explosive one that's volatile for best ball leagues that you like? Sure is, and he's on our team now. Cole Hardman, welcome to the squad. Was that too early? Let me – I'm looking at this. No, that wasn't was- – I don't think it was too early. We got Robbie Anderson as the top ADP guy. I don't know how anyone's even drafting Robbie. I love Robbie. I think he could do good things in the right offense. But, like, you know, in free agency, I don't think there was a worse team we could have picked Robbie to go to than the Panthers, unfortunately. So I'm only drafting Anderson when I'm double stacking Teddy Bridgewater with with either DJ Moore or uh, Curtis Samuel. Uh, John, you weren't there when I went ahead and went solo with my Carson Wentz pick. I, I think he was the top QB left on the board. I mean, there's Breeze, uh, Brady, Stafford, just, you know, kind of that uh, veteran pocket passer tier. Obviously, I would have preferred one of the top seven guys that can give me some rushing upside. But Wentz as your QB one in round eight, I'm pretty happy. 
I think those three, however you have Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen from five to seven, the three afterwards, however you want to put them, are Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, and Matt Ryan. Uh, so it really just depends on how you draft from that point forward. But if you have Wentz, I also think rather than arguing about Rager or Deshaun Jackson, you just grab both. Yeah. Call it a day. Now, is next round too soon to do that, you think? We should probably go back to the running back well one more time. Yeah, one more time. What do we have now? Four? We have four running backs. McCaffrey, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Cam Akers. Uh, four wide receivers now. A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks. And Nicole Hardman. We're going to have some – Juju's going to give us, you know, six catches, 80 yards, and then we're going to have one week where everyone else just has, like, a combined 20 yards and no touchdowns. But, hey, I'm in here for upside, John Diggle. I don't know about you. Where are we at with the Titans left on the board right now? All right. Look, good call. Uh, I, after, you know, I looked at this a couple rounds ago, probably should have thought out loud for all you people listening. But, you know, once Mark Andrews goes, I'm pretty much going. I'm waiting uh, – for rounds i'm waiting till double digit picks until i am touching a tight end right now we got jared cook austin hooper no fan gronk Jasicki. i mean yeah I'm, I, I still feel like we can wait two if not four more rounds yeah we're still in the range where we need two or three but i'm fine waiting past the austin hooper Noah Fant run uh, i'm assuming gronk and Gasicki will be next because that's usually who's been falling I mean, when you can get Chris Herndon as late as you can, like who even needs more tight ends? So it's uh, it's, it's something to pay attention to. I'm way higher on Noah Fant than everyone, and I feel like the industry has gotten softer on this dude. I mean, what happened to the second-year rise of one of the most athletically gifted players in the league? Like, okay, I know the four, ga- four five-game sample we have with Drew Locke wasn't great for Fant, but he was also playing hurt through that stretch. You know, it was a weird kind of situation to begin with. Now there's more competition, but the competition is, is rookie wide receivers in this incredibly weird offseason. I just think, you know, relative to other tight ends around the league, weak competition. And I just want to bet on this player, especially when, you know, it's only kind of a tight end one borderline price. I still think, though, the five games from Drew Locke, I mean, sinking from and I, I've heard you say he was injured during this span. But even so, to get six targets per game from something called Brandon Allen and then suddenly 2.8 targets per game from Drew Locke is slightly concerning. And the issue when arguing about the athleticism of tight ends, yes, no offense, an elite one, but literally every single guy except Will Disley now is a, an elite athlete, athletic tight end. You have to be an athlete to make it at that spot now. And also, we can't call Hayden Hurst an elite athlete, right? That's true. And, well, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so... So Maybe we're Hurst, not even talking about Hayden Hurst at all next year, even uh, though, even though I, I still do like Hayden Hurst this year. I really do. As the tight end nine, though, like that is absurd to me. I was in on him when he was, you know, still had the Ravens price and he went to the Falcons. It's like, OK, we can get an easy starter with the potential for, you know, 70, 90 targets in a decent passing game. But now it's like we're expecting a dude that's never produced at the NFL level to just instantly be a top 10 guy. Are, are you that confident that? You know, he's just going to be Austin Hooper 2.0, no problem? Not at all. Uh, (laughs) I'm confident he's going to be used as Austin Hooper 2.0. Whether that leads to production, I'm not sure. But as a tight end position, the most volatile of all of them, uh, I typically, my preference is to just chase snaps and routes or a route percentage, I should say, on those snaps. And there's no doubt in my mind they're going to try Hayden Hurst that position. And whether that sticks to the wall or not, we're certainly going to find out. 
we got some pretty uh, sharp folks, I think, in this draft. Ooh, although Chase Edmonds is still available. Chase Edmonds, John. Maybe they aren't that sharp. It's still fairly early. Uh, I mean, I would rather go uh, – we already have Cam Akers. Uh, I was about to say I'd rather go Daryl Henderson, Alexander Madison, Tariq Cohen over Chase Edmonds. I might go – well, I, I don't. I think it would be great to have Henderson and Akers. We're just kind of helping mitigate the risk, I feel like. Would you, Hen- you- Henderson is one of the premier zero running backs. Like if anyone ever goes that route uh, because, like we were talking about earlier, McFay – it's coach speak, but it's four levels deep because um, even if if something's not going right the way he's using it, we can follow the usage all we want. McFay's an intelligent enough guy to change it. That's why C.J. Anderson messed up Todd Gurley's fantasy production. That's why Josh Reynolds started playing over Cooper Cup for that last stretch last year. Like McFay will pivot on you in an instant to make his offense work. Yeah. All right. You've sold me on Daryl Henderson. I'm down to scoop him up. I might just go RB, RB, Henderson and Alexander Madison, perhaps. What, uh, what are the wide receivers left on this before you double click that? Run, wide receivers, Robbie still, uh, Judy, Tony Miller, who I do like, but I just think we're doing okay enough to not worry about it. Uh, Preston Williams. Yeah. Deshaun the- Jackson would rank above all those guys. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I would. To be honest with you, I wouldn't mind Deshaun Jackson and a running back here. Okay. Uh, I like going Henderson. We're going to... No arguments from me. Yeah, that's right. John's an OG truther of Daryl Henderson, and I know you don't have to call yourself a truther for anything, but you do love you some Daryl Henderson. Nine yards per attempt across two seasons in college. One of the best college running backs we've ever seen. A straight-line guy who does nothing but shed tackles like Antonio Gibson, except he's huge. All right, and plot twist. I'm actually taking Jalen Rieger over Deshaun Jackson because I am betting on the industry, you know, devaluing Deshaun because he hasn't been a very good person recently. Jalen Rager, also a, a superb athlete. He gets discounted for having 6.9 yards per target his final year. But it was also Max Dugan, a true freshman, leading TCU's offense under center. Uh, so it's just not enough credit, given that he was a much more explosive receiver whenever he had good quarterback play under center. He, he's the Curtis Samuel of college football. I mean, I can get behind this guy all day. And, you know, the only two rookie wide receivers that I'm even like usually even somewhat frequently getting in best balls are Rieger and Henry Ruggs. And I believe Ruggs was already gone, even if he wasn't. I, I think he was gone. Yeah. But uh, either way, I mean, just already having once getting that stack. That's that's an it's clo- very, very close for me. So just having once there, I am down to stack. And it's still possible we get to Sean Jackson when it comes back around. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. So, all right, the squad through 11 rounds at QB. We got Carson Wentz, RB, McCaffrey, Carson, Montgomery, Akers, and Henderson. Don't let us get Malcolm Brown. Don't let Malcolm Brown and John Kelly fall to us. We might just get all four. Wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Juju, Brandon Cooks, Miko Hardman, and Jalen Rieger. We're going to get more wide receivers, and this is why, you know, I tell everyone, like, just do a best ball draft or do a mock, just a regular mock draft or whatever, and you'll see after doing it once, maybe twice, 
how weak the running backs get later. And, you know, if you are in one of these best balls where you're trying to win like a million dollars and you just need everything to go your way, a Scott Fishbowl type experience, okay, that's when we can get cute and maybe go zero RB. But for everyone out there just trying, you know, to beat your 11 friends from back home and, you know, that, that special league, please, 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 RBs early. Exactly. The formatting gets lost in the weeds so often. Zero RB is in order to be contrarian in these thousand entry high stakes leagues where you go on two different rounds to compete for 500K in the end. You have to differ at that point. But for your 12 man best balls, um, even three man leagues, normal recreational redraft leagues from home, you don't get cute. You just follow the touches. And so stack the running back at within three of the first five rounds and go from there wide receivers flying off the board now curtis samuel robbie anderson preston williams anthony miller all going mid 11th i like curtis going above robbie and yes you know i am an ohio state guy i love me some curtis samuel probably more than most people on this planet but there is a real chance i feel like for him to get that slot role and if he gets a hundred plus targets again like he did last year in a potentially more efficient passing game with you know more fancy friendly targets for him normally we want the deep balls but when you're not getting any of them catchable catchable i mean literally panthers panthers were 25 percent catchable deep balls last year next closest team was the colts at 30 percent so I don't think Curtis Samuel was miscast as a field stretcher. I think Kyle Allen was miscast as a starting NFL quarterback. John, if Daigle, I mean, if, Kurt, if Samuel gets that slot role, are you, I mean, you have to be buying at that wide receiver 50 ADP is at right now. Uh, I'm buying all of them, and it's going to be impossible for redraft formats to figure out which one to start. Uh, except for DJ Moore, who will be a constant every week. Right. But for but for best ball and DFS, I mean, just double stacking all are going to be amazing because any of them can go off at any time. And we we still confuse the fact that Teddy Bridgewater uh, did not throw deep with him not wanting to throw deep. Uh, he was part of the Saints offense. Him and Drew Brees both had two of the lowest A dots in the entire league, and he still th- hit six completions, 20-plus yards downfield, out of the nine he threw. So he can throw deep, and the Joe Brady offense predicates itself on opening up receivers with yards after the catch with shallow plays, and then when the defense gives in a little bit, that's when you go deep. So there will be more opportunities. I would say even three to four shots per week that Teddy Bridgewater can hopefully succeed with. Yeah, Teddy definitely a premier late-round signal caller. So here's my one issue with the Panthers that I've kind of been thinking through the last few days. I was going through every offense, checking out the returning starters on the O-line and the passing game and the coaching staff. And, you know, the Chiefs stand out as, like, the single most uh, team, like the single best team in terms of just overall continuity Mm -hmm. in their passing game. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Panthers are easily the worst. Now, it's a situation where they were so bad last year, other than, you know, DJ doing his thing. They were so bad last year that it's like they don't have anywhere to go but up. But on the other hand, weird offseason, like, is this just maybe too much change for all these things we hope to happen in Carolina to work, or is just this, you know, defense is bad enough and it is a slight improvement. It's a more than a slight improvement, I guess, over what they had last year that you're not too concerned about the lack of continuity. Well, the good news is Brady overlapped. He wasn't calling plays, but at least Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater overlapped in New Orleans for one year. And not to mention, I think this is like a Derek Carr argument because he gets such an amount of credit for his high completion rate given his low target distribution. But I think that's what Bridgewater is. Like this offense can secede because you don't need to have continuity to just dump it off. 
Um, whereas I trust Brady's play calling as intuitive and progressive so much more than I do John Gruden's. All right, Antonio Brown just went off the board, 12th round, 6th pick. I thought I was sharp for taking A.B. in like round 11 in Scott Fishbowl. I'm feeling a lot, you know, what's the opposite of sharp? A lot more dull Fishy. after, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> a lot more like a fish after the whole last week's developments. I mean, if you would have asked me a week ago, is Antonio Brown going to play during the 2020 football season? I would have given you a fairly confident yes. What are you thinking now, though? I am still giving a fairly confident yes. I mean, okay. he, he has literally announced he's retired three times in the past calendar year. He's threatened to retire four times in the past calendar year. Uh, the moment C Seattle or Washington extend that contract, the dude is back in our lives at least for one top 12 week. So I still think you should be chasing him. And even more so now that you're getting a discount because people do believe he's retiring when he's not going to. He's not going away. Fair point. All right. Well, against all odds, Hayden Hurst is still sitting here on the board late round 12 up in three picks. I'm inclined to go for it, I think. At this point, it's, it's always what we say, right? The ma the mantra is that we don't hate players. We hate ADP. Like, yes, I'll even sir. take Austin Hooper at some point because for a while there, he was going as the tight end 15 as opposed to the tight end 8 to start the year like he was. So if Hayden Hurst falls to, you know, tight end 14, 15 in this room, of course, you have to take him. And take him, we will. We had Aussie, Aussie 714 took TJ Hawkinson right before us. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I think Hurst can definitely outdo Hawkinson. I, I get, you know, a lot of the things about Fant also apply to Hawkinson in a better offense, but I will take Hayden Hurst there for those targets. Okay, I'm not going to double up on tight end right now. All right, looking at running back, Ed, Edmonds got sniped. Alexander Madison here makes a lot of sense, I think. I like Alexander Madison. Who are the quarterbacks available? Do we need to double up right now, or do we uh, Cousins, up? Trubisky? Oh God. We need to we need to double up. Um, I'm a fan of Garoppolo's schedule in particular, but if you want to reach for Minshew, okay, that's fine. I like that call. I went with Jimmy G. I've been coming around on him more and more, and you know, look what Matt Ryan did in his second season in that Shanahan offense. But Jimmy G really wasn't as bad as last year as I think a lot of people, you know, tend to remember. And yeah, it would have been nice if he hit Manny Sanders on that, you know, open deep ball to go ahead in the Super Bowl and everything. Yeah, he didn't have to throw the ball at all in the playoffs to get to that point. But still, I mean, only Lamar Jackson had more games with four or more passing touchdowns. The spike weeks were actually there a few times. And, you know, he still averaged, I believe, it was 8.3 adjusted yards per attempt. I mean, it's a situation kind of like Tennessee where I think they're just going to have to throw the ball next year a little bit more just because things aren't going to go as perfect as they did. I am fine going with Jimmy G as your QB, too. It's just not a sexy pick since he doesn't add anything with his legs. But again, uh, having one of the best play callers opening up the playbook for you is always a good sign. So, And that, and given that they have one of the easiest schedules to the first six weeks, as your QB2, uh, he's the best QB2, honestly. And we took Jimmy G over Mr. Jared Goff himself. I think uh, I would do it again. I mean, it's, it's one of these situations where... Like, at what point is Goff going too low? Because, like, look, his touchdown rate was, you know, 3.3% or whatever last year. We would expect that to rise up. 
based on what he did in 2017 and 2018. But those 2017-2018 Rams offenses aren't coming back. I mean, the fact they didn't add a single piece to that offensive line is a tragedy. I mean, PFF two-minute drill today, we were uh, you know, agreeing that, yes, the Rams are arguably the least improved team in the entire NFL. I mean, I'm, I like Robert Woods. I've talked about Cam Akers doing his thing. But I think just assuming that the Rams are going to kind of regress into who they were, that's – I don't know. Knowing their offensive line was putrid last year, they still only added one in the draft, and it was with their very last pick. So it would be shocking to see him even make the 80-man roster. No offense to him and his mother. Uh, having said that, I think we don't know what to expect from the Rams offense. They're going to come out wild. Like, it's going to be a re-innovation of everything. Um, I think it will be more 12 personnel. Having said that, we don't know for sure. So it's going to be interesting, and I think we just shouldn't expect what we saw last year to happen this year. Yeah. Goff just went off the board. A.J. Dillon off the board, round, end of 13. I mean— A.J. Dillon needs Jones or Williams to get hurt before he's going to see, I think, you know, the 15-plus touches that people would hope for. If he gets that, though, I mean, it could work, man. I, I know my employer weren't uh, the, the biggest fans of that draft pick and everything and, you know, A.J. Dillon coming out. But legit, like, lower middle-class man's Derrick Henry, you know, athleticism and size and you know, if LaFleur just wants to run the ball to his heart's desire as much as he's talking about, we could be living in a world pretty soon if they don't get, you know, things fixed up with uh, Aaron Jones where A.J. Dillon is the starting bell cow back for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. Do, do you see that being the most likely scenario here? Well, you got to remember that Jamal Williams also last year in the games he was healthy, he didn't leave early for, still averaged a 34% snap rate behind Aaron Jones. Those are the games that Aaron Jones dropped in production significantly. Having said that, ESPN just put out one of those beat writer roundtables discussing players, surprise players to get cut. And Jamal Williams was one of the guys that uh, I believe was Aaron Nagler. I hope I got that right. Uh, mentioned Jamal Williams potentially getting cut. And for the sake of both A.J. Dillon and Dexter Williams, who they coveted last year, on the team now. Which would that be is, huge for A.J. Dillon. Yeah, that'd be – if it's a two-man backfield, we're balling with both of them. I mean, that'd be that'd be pure sex for Aaron Jones just getting, you know, that starting role and all the receiving work. It's when we go to three that things get complicated. And that's the only problem. I mean, we had that quote from LaFleur where he was almost, like, chalking up He's like, you know, we didn't get to where he wanted to be last year. We only had two running backs. I think we might need another one. Like adding a third running back would have helped them handle that 49ers defensive line. But regardless, you know, I just hope that that move wouldn't make, you know, like you said, Dexter Williams one of those guys, then take the Jamal Williams role. And we know they want to be the Niners. Like they even drafted DeGuara, that H back they're going to use in the use check role. Uh, (laughs) It might not be pretty, but we know what they want to do. They want to be a a more run centric offense and AJ Dillon would still be a part of it. Uh, I think I'm a little higher on AJ Dillon than you though, just because I believe he works as the Jordan Howard to Aaron Jones, Matt Breida usage. The difference is Aaron Jones will get the receiving usage, whereas there's a reasonable case Patrick Laird takes away the upside from Breida as the team's third as the team's third down back. Patrick Laird, shout out friend of the show Peter Overset for that one. All right, moving in middle round fourteen up in a few picks. Right now, I'm looking at Darrington Evans. I think he is actually the Derrick Henry handcuff. The Titans gave Deion Lewis a three-down roll, like, consistently when Derrick Henry missed time. And the fact you give that dude a three-down roll, I don't know why it won't be Darrington Evans. We likely have only one running back selection left here, right? Like, we're going six. Yeah. Probably. Um, 
I think I like Antonio Gibson over Evans. I wouldn't argue against you. I, li- I like both. But Gibson, to me, it's we we assume Darius Geis won't stay healthy, and I think that's a safe assumption. We haven't even seen him play outside of those two healthy games, I believe, last year. Um, and then we don't trust Adrian Peterson's age, and thus it would lead us to draft Antonio Gibson because he's going to be used across the field at multiple positions. I wish he was being designated as a wide receiver, and we that's could like fair. hopefully get the rush attempts. It sucks that it's the other way around. But no, nah, I think it's a good point. I mean, he – he played that Tony Pollard role at Memphis, right? I mean, he is a mm-hmm. true dual threat, can do it both. Now, can he find an offense that is going to let him do that? I don't really trust Ron Rivera and company to put together the most sophisticated offense that, you know, really gets the best out of all of them. But he's got the opportunity to do it. You sold me. Yeah, I'm going to Antonio Gibson. All right. We got to use up this time, though, uh, on the clock. What are sure. you thinking wide receiver? Denzel Mims. Renfro, no, I won't do it. Oh gosh, it's weak right now. Laviska, nah. Now, um, do uh, what about tight end? I saw Ian. Uh, Ian Thomas just went. Uh, Sternberger. It would be Sternberger, or, or I mean, it's probably Irv Smith, I guess, unless you are <sighs> against Irv Smith. Irv I'm Smith. fine with Sternberger. Over, I love Sternberger too. I think I'm Irv going- Smith. Is a little bit safer, but I'm fine with Sternberger. Irv Smith is safer. Last year, I think Rudolph had 48 targets. Irv had 47. Or Yeah, I mean, they were like neck and neck. But Sternberger, like there is a scenario where he is even the number two guy in the Packers offense. Probably number three. More likely number four. And you know, I, know, I know since Jermichael, Jermichael Finley, Rodgers has not had, you know, a fancy relevant tight end for quite some time. But look at this Packers team. Who's he going to throw the ball to? And, you know, you, there has been some good coach speak over the course of the offseason. You know, LaFleur actually complimenting Sternberger's blocking and uh, things of that nature. So the fact that it had anyone really to compete with him, you know, at a high level, at least throughout the free agency and draft has me high on Sternberger. And, and we've talked about it, like going into last year, you know, the guy scored 10 touchdowns last season at A&M. I mean, he was just hurt most of last season and he couldn't really get out on the field as much as he wanted to. There's a ceiling here. He's still an elite prospect. Uh, two years ago, went to a private JUCO with only 2,000 kids in all and still found his way into the SEC the following year with AM for 10 touchdowns against elite college competition. Uh, last year was not healthy, but still topped out with eight routes, the most he ran in any game in the playoffs because they were getting blown out and yet scored a touchdown on those eight routes. So you still have to love his athleticism. I will quickly say also for Washington and Antonio Gibson, I think Scott Turner is one of the best hires no one's ever heard of. He okay. stepped in for his father, Norv Turner, last year for those five final three games in Carolina. And that's what led to Curtis Samuel switching and getting more touches from the backfield. And I think that's how we should perceive Antonio Gibson to be is Curtis Samuel getting uh, efficient touches and carries altogether. Guys went from six to midnight. I was like thinking out that exact scenario as you were saying it, John, this is fantastic. I'm yeah. all the way in on Antonio Gibson. Now I don't, I don't even care what a Darrington Evan is after that. <laughs> Let's freaking go. Wow. Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Going mid mid round fifteen. They're catering to I you. They're just it. going for likes now. Fighting for the retweet. That's Joey three three five four. You my you're my favorite person in this entire draft, Joey. Bar Fighting for the shout out. All right, we probably need a quarterback next. Right now, we only have Wentz and Garoppolo. So okay, I guess here's the question. 
we're probably going three quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, we have Garoppolo. Why not just get Jalen Hurts in the very last round and say, I have the Eagles quarterback? Because if Hurts has to go out on the field, he's going to freaking be a fantasy darling. I mean, you're the one who is highly touting Tyrod Taylor. I'd much rather go Tyrod with a path to stand a starter. Hurts is like, we're talking 28-round dynasty now. We're we're not talking (laughs) 49-best ball. That's fair. And, yeah, I, I am leaning tire out here, even if you would have agreed with my Hurts uh, QB3, but. rushing floor, like uh, an easy schedule. Six of the first nine games before they hit their Week 10 bye in particular um, shape up to be one of the best schedules in the entire league. So I'm, I'm on board with Tyrod as well. I was on um, uh, Action Network Fantasy uh, Labs pod this week, and uh, Sean Corner, odds maker, you know, one of the sharpest, sharpest guys in the industry at setting gambling lines for pretty much anything, particularly football. Uh, but uh, when in this conversation about Tyrod, I thought the over-under should be at five and a half. He said ten and a half. On, and I was kind of surprised by that because we've seen, I believe it's like 17 of the last 20 top 10 QBs drafted. They start at least 10 games as a rookie. But in this Los Angeles Chargers offense, I mean, all year, all offseason, excuse me, we've heard Anthony Lynn talk about Tyrod being more than the bridge quarterback, you know, this and that. So there's some coach speak, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, this is a defense, and even in the rest of the skill position players on offense, this is a team that is ready to win now. Now, are they going to beat the Chiefs? No, but, you know, no, no one probably will. So everyone still has to try. Tyrod very well could give him the best chance, and it wouldn't be shocking if he ends up starting, you know, 12-plus games. And it's not – hardcore hitting PFF analysis, but honestly, the NFL we know still runs on the hands you shake. And just the fact that Lynn and Tyrod go back years together, leading the league in in rushing offense, and particularly with the Bills, just three years ago, uh, it's going to shape up where Tyrod will get the longest leash possible, in my opinion. Yeah, and Tyrod was the backup last year, so it's not like the Cleveland year where he got brought in the same time as a rookie in like this straight-up competition. I mean, he is the comfortable you know, starter that the guys have known is going to be the starter for a while. And yeah, look at this uh, Chargers schedule to start. Bengals, Chiefs, Panthers, those are all three startable games. We got to go on the road to Tampa, on the road to New Orleans. That's tough. They get lucky, though, because I was thinking that would be the spot where they switch to Herbert before the Jets, but it's a short week before they play the Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars, Raiders, before their bye week. Ty God Taylor, I really Plus, hope he falls to us. Oh, we don't, he's not. We don't hate the Saints road matchup. We like that for fantasy. We want the indoor arena shootout vibe. That's a good point. It's just a tough, tough environment to go to sometimes. But yeah, there's definitely shootout potential. But it doesn't matter. Shout out to Rat YD uh, for sniping Tyrod Taylor. Good pick, man. So all we have left at QB. Yeah. <laughs> all that talking, probably. All we have left at QB is Fitzpatrick. Haskins, uh, Stidham, Cam's backup. Don't get it twisted, everybody. Dude, I mean, all those nice things we said about Tyrod, they apply to a lesser extent to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is Sims still available under wide receiver? Ooh, Steven. Sure is. Oh, wait, no. He got drafted. Oh, dang. Okay, I was about about to look for a double stack here and go Dwayne Haskins and Steven Sims. Oh, that would have been hot. Um. Muhammad Sanu, unfortunately, is my next highest guy among these receivers. Oh, God. Oh, Fitzpatrick just went? Uh, Dang, Aussie. I don't even know if we can get another quarterback right now. All right. Uh, we have to go Haskins at this turn. Okay. God, Sanu? Well, uh, just, I mean, I'm listening. I'm open. 
No, I yeah. guess you're right. It's Sanu or, um, or Andy Isabella, but I mean, Sanu. I genuinely think every best ball player should be leaving every single draft with either Enkil Harry or Sanu because those are the two poised to lead the team in receiving production across the board as Julian Edelman is 34 and uh, playing with a new quarterback uh, from the slot. It, it's hard to find wide receivers at the end of round 16 that could compete for triple-digit targets and what might be a decent offense. All right, Dwayne Haskins next. That gives us Wentz, Garoppolo, and Haskins. Okay. Like, I, I would love to be higher on Haskins going to year two and maybe, you know, having Scott Turner there, like you said, will produce some good things. And he's definitely the guy. The fact they didn't, you know, go with two and all they brought in was Kyle Allen to provide some competition. But, like, why did we not get this dude any additional weapons other than Antonio Gibson? I mean, it's just he's throwing the ball to Terry McLaurin. And, you know, the Kelvin Harmon injury sucks. But come on, like, if Kelvin Harmon was the number two wide receiver this year, like, that, that doesn't change anything. This is still one of the worst skill position groups in the entire league. You know, they just kind of spent the whole offseason, like, signing Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick. You couldn't have done anything for these wide receivers. I enjoy Steven Sims. He did some really good things at the end of last year. But just the fact that it's kind of like the Rams offensive line. Like, how did you look – at that wide receiver room and say, oh, it's fine. And with all due respect to Antonio Gandy-Golden, like, I, I, I want more. I want more there. And I see a lot of people touting AGG, but he's a dynasty guy. He's absolutely not a redraft or best ball person, uh, no matter the opportunity. I mean, he played against FBS competition at Liberty. Uh, the transition, especially in this offseason, to NFL competition is going to be drastic. So he's someone I'm not on whatsoever. I think it's pretty much McLaurin as your high-end wide receiver, two who could potentially break in, even though he has a lot of players to fight through as a wide receiver one inside the top 12. Steven Sims as your late-round guy who has a proven target share in those last four games when PFF actually rated Dwayne Haskins much better than his interim starts mid-year um, over Case Keenum. And then and Antonio Gibson, as we've said. And that's pretty much it, honestly. And that's what happened with Haskins. It was he got thrown to the fire against the Giants and the Vikings, and he looked awful. And then, hey, Dwayne, here's your first start. Enjoy going to Buffalo and, you know, see how that goes. And, you know, giving Agent Peterson 20 carries up in the middle the whole time just was not conducive to anything resembling, uh, you know, a successful rookie QB. All right, Plus, we are – I love yeah, body fat season and to drop 11 pounds <laughs> and get down to 7% fat body fat, it's – you know, you have my attention. Let's go, Dwayne. Good stuff, man. He's, he's out there working hard. Out there working hard. We are nearing the end of round 17 here. This is a 20-round draft. And so far, the squad, QB, Wentz, Jimmy G, Haskins, RB, McCaffrey, Carson, Montgomery, Akers, Henderson, Gibson. Not, not bad, people. Wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Juju, Brandon Cooks, Miko Hardman, Jalen Rieger, Mohamed Sanu. Finally, tight end, Hayden Hurst, Sternberger. John, I, we need one more tight end and then probably another wide receiver. Yeah, so the builds I think you should be doing for 20 rounds are universally 3, 7, 7, and 3. Um, yeah. However, if you feel, if you step back and you, if listeners, if they have like a self-realization and want to be stronger at a position, they think they're weak at the top, I've, I'm fine with 3, 6, 8, or 3, 8, 6, 3. But I like the 3 and 3. Good stuff always, Mr. Daigle. All right. Yeah, I'm leaning tight end here. I was hoping Dawson Knox would still be around. That's been like my favorite late-round guy. Man, are you seeing anyone here like Aikens, I guess? It always comes down if you wait on tight ends. I think it's uh, uh, O.J. Howard for the upside. 
He just um, went, but yeah. Oh, uh, okay. OJ Howard, and then I don't mind the Darren Fells, Jordan Aikens argument, and I still think there's some promise in Dan Arnold, which is a name you don't hear much. Dan Arnold. Is he going to be the Card- Cardinals starting started, He started one game for the Cardinals last year. It was week 17, stepping in for Charles Clay, and I believe it was seven targets, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. You may have to look that up. Uh, but they've already – he's had coach speak surrounding it from Kingsbury saying that he's the guy they want to get involved as a slot receiver in the red zone in particular since he's a big-bodied guy. Um, so it's it's just coach speak. But then again, if we're arguing Dan Arnold or Jordan Akins, I'm going to take the Cardinals offense. I think you sold me. And also, I mean, Dan Arnold was out there for some playoff snaps with the Saints too. I mean, he's earned the trust mm-hmm. – of Sean Payton, and if Sean Payton and Cliff Kingsbury like the guy, well, that's good enough for me in round 18 of this $3 best ball draft. And so. he played those 70-plus percent snaps in Week 17 without Charles Clay, who we know the Cardinals let go this offseason. So assuming he beats Max Williams, and there's nothing to suggest he won't since Max Williams is more of a blocking option, then, yeah, it would be Dan Arnold's their starting tight end. Whereas last year they basically didn't even have one since they didn't get uh, Ricky Seals-Jones involved whatsoever. Yeah. All right, I am leaning towards going tight end and then going wide receiver over running back. I mean, McCaffrey, you know, enough said. Carson and Montgomery, that's a good amount of volume there. And then I think having the Rams backfield with Akers and Henderson plus Gibson on the side. I'm feeling better there than I am at wide receiver. Still fine. Again, it's hard to leave one of these drafts and not like your wide receivers. But AJB, Juju, I mean, there's a chance that none of – Cooks, Hartman, Rieger, Sanu, give me a ton. So I think the more dart throws, the better at wide receiver right now. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. Nearing the end of round 18. Chris Conley just went. We're having some fun in the PFF chats. Like, we need to talk more about Chris Conley just being a member of, like, three of the most efficient deep ball passing attacks in three straight seasons. Okay. That probably has more to do with Patrick Mahomes if you want to, you know, be all technical about it. But Gardner Minshew last season, only quarterback – with a better passer rating on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield than Mr. Mahomes. And Chris Conley, while he's not a major part of the offense, he's still out there all the time. And, you know, when you look at the other guys there, oh, this is the last pick. Uh, so where are we at right now? Um, three. How many running backs and receivers? Six, six. So Dan Arnold. Yeah. Dan Arnold. Boom. Just oh, like that. I didn't, yeah. uh, okay. I guess I messed up. I thought we had one more round left. Okay, cool. 18 rounds. I was used to 20. So that is that in real time. Let's see. Team exposure. Yeah, most we got two Rams, two Eagles, two Washington football players. Luckily, okay, buys are going to be interesting. Yeah, usually when John and I do these, we have a little bit more time. And, uh, you know, we, we've done them like on Twitch or together and usually can avoid, avoid those bye week uh, holes. Just really pay attention to it for like the quarterback position and you know tight end where you're specifically drafting a backup to fill that. Otherwise, John, unless you're like just accidentally drafting five wide receivers in the same bye week, not really something to worry about. Yeah, uh, like you said, you just pay attention to quarterback and tight end. A lot of the discussions you hear in these drafts or other podcasts come down to subjective rankings. So 
if you're doing a lot of these best ball drafts, I urge everyone to not go exactly by the rankings as your blueprint, but treat them as guidelines. Um, for every A.J. Brown you take over Calvin Ridley, also mix in Calvin Ridley over A.J. Brown, just to make sure you're not creating a position for yourself where like you tank and you ruin just because one player goes down yeah. or because one player is better than the other. So just spread your exposure out to a confident pool. Not everyone, but have your pool ready. That way you can take the same five or six guys as opposed to taking the same two or three good stuff johnny yeah and i hope everyone listening you know realize that when you're doing these drafts yeah it's you know even the people that know the most about the nfl in the world you still gotta know draft strategy you still gotta kind of know at what point you need to get these guys and it really helps to do some of these so you know you know when it comes time to pick between player a and player b which guy has a better chance of falling so thank you david that was awesome stuff man give a uh you know shout with what you have coming up and things of that nature yeah, so we used Underdog. That's where I'll be at mostly for the rest of the summer. Um, the Roto World team previews, if you'd like to check them out, are still running around. Uh, you can find me at NotJDaigle on Twitter. And then I believe I have not only the – we're still churning out the Roto World football podcast, but then also I will have my annual uh, 32 deep sleepers column coming out here in the next couple of weeks, which is just focusing on one player for every team that I think has legitimate upside in the last rounds of draft as everyone goes to the board and just throws darts at that point. So yeah, that's pretty much what we have going the rest of the summer. And Ian, you know, you're my boy. Uh, I think you're doing a great job with the pod and everything you're doing right now. And it's just getting started. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Broski. Yeah. Maybe we will get another one of these going if the people are happy. And yes, everyone, at not Jay Daigle. The not Jay Daigle, that actually is Jay Daigle. So make sure you give John a follow, one of the more informative football handles out there. I think John's hilarious. And I, you know, I pester him to try to be more personable on Twitter sometimes. And he throws some stuff out there. But, you know, it is just the football fan that, you know, wants to bet and win money. It is your dream to follow not Jay Daigle. So for John Daigle, I am Ian Harditz. Thank you all for listening and take care. 